Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to AOK. Before we start the episode, we just want to remind you that everyone's sexual and romantic attraction works a bit differently. What you are about to hear are opinions based on personal experience, and any descriptions of romantic or sexual orientations featured in this episode are not representative of any group. friends and welcome to AOK, the podcast about people on the aromantic and asexual spectrums. I'm your AeroAce host, Courtney Lang, and joining us today is Josh, who is an engineering student in recovery. Hi, Josh. Hi. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm from Dallas, Texas. I'm 22 years old. I go by he, him, and uh, I identify as pan-ace or uh, pan-romantic asexual. All right. What does being um, panromantic and asexual mean for you? I feel romantic and physical attraction towards uh, any gender, but um, but that that attraction like stops before sexual attraction. Mm. Uh, so it's been interesting to work out. Yeah, and like, how did you figure that out? Um, it started pretty similarly to uh other stories i've heard on here um being in like middle and early high school uh you know there starts to be talk of sex um people making sexual jokes and innuendos Mm -hmm. and me just feeling out of the loop like like it's some kind of inside joke that i'm like i don't really get and uh and then in in media too anytime I saw a, a sex scene in a movie or a TV show. I'm like, oh, wh- what are you guys doing? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, why is that necessary here? Um, right. Yeah. When did you, I guess, hear the terms ace and air or asexual for you? Oh, gosh. I think it was uh, freshman year of college. Um, I heard the term and thought, hmm, I can kind of relate to that. I wonder if, like, maybe that's me. Um, and then I got into really, like, my first long-term, like, serious relationship um, freshman year of high school. And uh, it really started to click then because uh, my partner was sexual. My ex-partner was sexual. And uh, it, you know, I, I didn't really reciprocate um the those sexual desires and uh so that that kind of cleared it up a bit Mm -hmm. and what was the process like for you like did you kind of accept it right away or was it kind of a long journey Mm, there was definitely i had difficulty accepting it at first uh mainly because it was causing problems in that relationship and uh i mean there were a few other problems but that was like the main thing that when we finally broke up, like that was the main reason that was like stated out loud. Mm. Um, so, you know, obviously I was like, I don't want that. So I, I don't want to be asexual because it's, you know, I don't want to be broken up with, uh, with this person. I see. But, um, yeah. That's tough when a 
partner is, I can't even imagine being in that situation and not wanting to, I'm sure you didn't want to admit it to yourself because that would mean that the relationship ended if that's something that's extremely important to the other person. Right. Yeah. And you're, is, was, are you, sorry, let me backtrack. So you're an engineering student. Um, I imagine that's kind of a hard place to be. Like, is it ever tough being queer and working in STEM? Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't actually, like, worked a job in that industry yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there definitely are, like, interv- uh, getting ready for interviewing for summer internships before the whole quarantine thing happened. Um, I was doing uh, some job hunting for internships over the summer because uh, I'm pretty close to graduating. And uh, my parents, like, straight up told me, like, my stepdad said that he'd been in, like, a hiring manager position before. And uh, I had, like, really long hair, like, down to my mid-back um, and curly. So it was, like, even longer than it looked. Um, and I, I used to paint my fingernails um, were, like, dangly earrings. And he was like, you you're going to have to like, you know, stop doing some of this stuff because otherwise hiring managers, like they're not going to want to consider you as much. Um, and you know, maybe if you were like, if I had like exceptional grades and like a a 4.0 GPA, um, and that stuff didn't really matter, uh, then like maybe I wouldn't have had to cut my hair and stop painting my fingernails and stuff. But, um, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not the best student. So, um, because of that, I kind of have to conform and I don't think that's necessarily, uh, just a STEM industry thing. Um, I, I can imagine in, in other, you know, corporate workplaces, that's pretty standard. Um, but it's certainly different than a lot of the, uh, media people that I follow, you know, musicians and artists and, and whatnot, entertainers where, um, or people that are just self-employed where, you know, they don't necessarily have to conform with their outward appearance and self-expression. Um, but that's really the only difficulty I've run into so far. You know, it's, it's not like I'll be going around in the workplace saying, Oh, you know what I did last night? (laughs) Not have sex because I didn't want to. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oof though. That's pretty hard to swallow. Um, so what made you want to go into STEM? Like, is there anything specific you want to do with that? Yeah, um, I'm studying electrical engineering. And uh, I've always been really um, interested in electronics um, and what's going on on the inside. And for most of my life, it's been like, you know, here's here's a little box that does so-and-so, you know, be, be it a smartphone or a computer or a stereo system, a guitar amp, I don't know, whatever, you know, it's, here's a box, you hit a button and it, it does stuff. And it's like, it seems like magic. Um, so I'm, I picked electrical engineering one because it's one of the highest paying jobs, uh, straight out of college. Um, but also because like, I want to know what's going on inside, you know, all these crazy devices that we have as far as career wise i'm into music 
Um, I, I do like recording and mixing and mastering and, you know, production kind of stuff. Um, so I'm, uh, audio technology also really interests me. Um, so I think it would be cool to work with a company like um, Sony, Shure, Fender, um, you know, anything that does musical performance equipment or uh, audio listening equipment like microphones, headphones, guitar amps, uh, guitar electronics, uh, effect boxes, synthesizers, anything like that uh, is really interesting to me. Cool. Yeah, I love like taking things apart and looking at them. So I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, it's uh, it's come in handy recently. Um, I've been able to like, like fix stuff like on my own. Um, like recently, my record player uh, stopped working, and I was able to take it apart and figure out how to fix it. What? And then um, also like just a couple. I, I finally got a switch for last Christmas a few months ago, um, and like a couple weeks after I got it. It got knocked off of a table, and the uh, the right shoulder button stopped clicking. Like, it still registered that I was pressing it, but it didn't have that satisfying click to it. Right. Um, and I, I lived with it for a bit, but finally I got bothered enough by it that I opened up the Joy-Con and uh, was able to figure out, you know, what, what what the problem was and get that fixed. And now it, you know, it feels brand new, so... Wow, that sounds so scary to me, taking apart a Switch. I'd be so terrified. (laughs) It was scary, but I was, like, bothered enough by it that I was like, okay, screw it. Either (laughs) I'm buying a new one or I figure out how it works. That's awesome. So the journey has been long for a lot of us. Um, But if you could go back and tell your younger self something, what would it be? Um, I had to think about this the best thing i could think of was uh to tell my myself back in early high school to uh, really get out there more Mm. um talk to people more i was pretty shy in high school um and i didn't go out with friends much um and i didn't really explore my self-expression much um, so then getting into college, um, especially in, in the latter years of college, having to like grow up, um, I have found that difficult to do because I feel like I hadn't really experienced my childhood or teen years to the fullest. And now all of a sudden, you know, oh, it's time to grow up. And I'm like, but, but wait, I'm not ready yet, you know? Right. Yeah, growing up's hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're involved with the Center for Student Students in Recovery at your school. Um, how did you get involved in that? Um, yeah, and this this actually incorporates uh, what I was just talking about. Is I feel like a a lot of that difficulty with growing up also ties into uh, my issues with uh, substance abuse and addiction. Um, I started drinking pretty heavily in my second year of college um and then noticed it was a problem tried to replace it with other things uh, that didn't help uh, i got pretty depressed had some pretty bad episodes um 
And finally, I think about a year and a half ago, um, I got to a point where uh, I knew I needed external help. Um, and I went to my school's counseling center. But um, my university recently had like a big boom of new students. Uh, I think they kind of let in more than they could handle. Mm. Um, and the, the counseling center uh, was not able to get me in. They were able to get me in for like an intake session. Uh, but then during that intake session, they were like, we're, we're out of like actual counseling slots, though. Um, and then they gave me some recommendations of other stuff, uh, other resources that I could use on and off the university. And one of those was the, the Center for Students in Recovery, um, which is a part of the university. Um, and I hadn't heard of it before, but I went and checked it out. And uh, it's it's been awesome. Like, ever since then, I've been a part of it, um, helping me with my own recovery, uh, staying sober. And then recovery in terms of the center uh, doesn't refer strictly to, um, like, drug addiction and substance abuse. Like, a lot of time, that's what people think of. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really more of a, a broad scope. It, uh, it's more inclusive to people that deal with, um, like, trauma recovery, um, eating disorder, uh, sexual trauma, it's inclusive to any kind of recovery that somebody may be in. So it's it's been interesting uh, hanging out there almost every day that I have class um, and just getting to meet people, learning about, you know, their stories, what they've dealt with, um, getting an insight to how they've handled their own recovery. Um, it's been a great experience. So what kind of resources did your recovery center have? So the, the Center for Students in Recovery itself uh, does uh, peer-led groups um, throughout the week that um, are differently themed. So there's there's one for people uh, working the 12 steps, uh, which is like an AA thing. Um, there's one specifically for people in recovery from uh, sexual trauma um, there's one for people in recovery for eating disorders. Um, but then there's also just uh, like cool hangout, get to know you kind of stuff uh, like uh, art or not not art day. I, I think it's craft day, I think they call it. Mm. Um, and then fun Friday, like we'll do some kind of outdoor activity or watch a movie or something. Um and then the uh, the student for centers in or, sorry the center for students in recovery um, has also worked with um, the student wellness center on campus and um, also the uh, the gender center which is um, a space for uh, LGBTQ plus um, students so um, I've I've attended. Um, Uh, like counseling group meetings um, with the gender center, uh, people discussing difficulties that they've had with their orientation and identities. Um, And that's really helped me uh, in my own journey to being able to hear how other people have 
um, explored themselves um, and dealt with difficulties uh, that that comes with um, and then also being able to like offer my own insight so um, yeah lots of lots of cool stuff going on on my campus yeah. and uh, I've heard I've heard a lot of similar stuff going on on other college campuses uh, we've worked with a, a, a couple other uh, campuses in, te- in the Texas area, the Dallas area. Um, so I think things are looking up uh, as, as far as college students or the, the college experience goes. Yeah, sounds like it. So we were talking the warm-up questions, which is available to patrons at patreon.com slash AOKpod. Um that uh, you connect a lot with Ray from the Star Wars movies, and that's a little bit uh, connected to the recovery aspect, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so Ray in this the last movie, Rise of Skywalker. I don't want to give any spoilers for anybody who's like me and still hasn't seen it really late. Um, but basically, she she finds out about her ancestry, um, and uh, she like is genetically tied to the dark side, which why, which is why in um, the second one, um, she like keeps hearing like like voices from the dark side, and uh, is like tied to Kylo Ren, who has like joined the dark side, and um, so she she feels pressure and uh, challenges. Because of, you know, basically the the genes that she's been given that are like, I don't know, almost like infused with the dark side. Um, yet, definitely in her heart, she knows that, you know, that's not what she wants for herself, or you know what, what the the kind of powers that she wants. She wants to be a Jedi and you know part of the the, the you know, good side or whatever. Um, so I just I, I felt it uh, I felt a connection to her because of that because uh, a lot of times I feel like I've been kind of like dealt a shitty hand when it comes to my genes. Um, I have uh, a lot of extended family that um, and and even a, a few people in uh, my immediate family that uh, are, are alcoholics and have dealt with addiction and uh, serious depression problems. Um, so a lot of times it feels like that's kind of out of my control, but, um, but at the same time, like similarly to Ray, uh, in this, this last movie, like she didn't let that get to her. She overcame that, um, and was able to be who she wanted to be like an actual Jedi. Um, and so I felt that inspiring and especially in my recent recovery, um, I've been, I've been able to work past um, what has been given to me, like genetically, and uh, get past that, and you know, be who I want to be, you know, think my own thoughts, and ignore what I feel like is out of my control, or yeah. work with it. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so powerful. So you mentioned this topic a little bit in the pre-interview survey, but does your journey with a recovery intersect at all with your sexuality? Yeah, it does. 
Um, and I'd say more so being in the dark place that I was before, back when I was using and abusing um, substances, uh, it made it really difficult to explore that side of myself because I was dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety at that same time, which, you know, in part was caused by uh, the addiction um, issues, but then also uh, was further fed by them. Mm-hmm. Um, so dealing with those kind of dark mind places, it was difficult to know whether um, whether that was causing less interest in uh, sexual activities or, you know, whether that really is uh, how I identify. And then at the same time, um, then when I started realizing I had a problem uh, and started taking action towards that, then that became my main focus and didn't really allow me to explore uh, my orientation at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that got frustrating because it's something that was on my mind, yet I didn't really have the uh, the mental capacity to explore that at the time because I was I was just focused on staying sober and uh, uh, over overcoming uh, temptations to use. So then being in recovery and getting sober, um, learning how to cope with my emotions and control control that better um, has allowed me to actually give the mental attention to um, explore my sexuality um, and coming to terms with uh, the fact that I am asexual um, and then also realizing uh, the panromantic side of that because uh, I've, I've actually had the time to, you know, explore that. Yeah. So did, does that split attraction model help you a lot? Like the romantic orientation separated from the sexual orientation? Yeah, it does. Um, because I honestly, that's, that's like how it is for me because I've had crushes on people and have felt romantic towards people. Um, and some of that has even been physical attraction. Uh, like I, I find the way, or or I guess aesthetic attraction would be another term for that. Um, I find the way that they look um, attractive, but then, you know, as soon as it, I, I may enjoy cuddling, but then as soon as it like gets to anything further than that, like, I don't know, I, I just lose interest and it, it, it doesn't click. Yeah. It, it feels like there's, feels like, you know, from what I've seen in like media and what I've heard people talk about, it feels like there's a disconnect there from where people would then usually move on from that. Yes, the whole it doesn't click is very really resonates with me. Like there's you get to a point and it's just like nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so other things at your university, you're actually the vice president of the Pokemon Club, right? Yeah. What does that entail? Um, it's fun. It's, it's, uh, uh, organization, um, like an official school organization, 
that uh, my friends and I are involved in. Um, we meet together on Friday nights and uh, do pretty much anything Pokemon related. Uh, we we use the video games to do tournaments. Um, we've watched the the anime or the the movies. Uh, we do the the card games sometimes. Uh, we've even done like Pokemon themed arts and crafts and uh, and like improv games. Oh, that's so fun! Yeah. And so I hate to ask this, but what's your favorite Pokemon type? Uh, probably Psychic. Oh, really? Why Psychic? I don't know. I mean, I feel like uh, along the same lines of uh, you know having telekinesis as a power. I feel like it's just uh, interesting, interesting move types, and uh, and one of my favorite Pokemon is uh, Espeon, oh, which I is love the psychic, the psychic type, yeah, EV evolution. Yeah, I I think Espeon would be like the perfect pet. Yes, I think you're right. Oh man, good answer. What was the first Pokemon game you ever played? I think it was Emerald. Okay, that's fun. And do you collect cards? I used to. Okay, um, if you had to guess, how many cards did you have? I remember counting, like, up to over 800. It was, oh. like, 800-something. That's so many. That's so awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. I would have been yeah, so I, jealous of you. I still have quite a few of them because um, I still live with my family. And uh, my little brother, uh, he's in fifth grade. He has started collecting them over the past couple years. And so I, I still have some of my old ones that I keep in like a binder because every once in a while he likes to trade. And I'm like, you know, open up the book, find anything and I'll trade with you. <laughs> you yeah. know, anything you want. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so fun. And I I also love Pokemon and Pokemon movies. And would what I hate keeping asking you your favorites of things, but what's your no, favorite? That's cool. <laughs> What's your favorite Pokemon movie? Um, honestly, I haven't seen a lot of them in a long time. Probably either the the first one with Mewtwo mm-hmm. that they just like recently did a, a remake of, mm-hmm. or um, or I don't know why, but I really connected with the Darkrai one. Oh, really? Uh, during like the the Sinnoh uh, era. Yeah. Okay. I would. It's funny because those two are probably on the top of my list, too. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I have one last question. It's a hard one. Um, who is someone important to you? You know, I've got a, I've got a friend uh, that I met at church. Um, he's also in recovery. I've been to AA meetings with him. Um and he's he's been just really influential on me, um, a great mentor. Um, he was in prison for a number of years and has gotten out and has like totally turned his life around. And you know, as, aside from like the tattoos that he has, like you'd have no idea what his history was like talking to him today. Um, he's like an amazing father, um, an amazing friend. And uh, I really look up to him. Wow, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for telling us your story. This has been a pleasure. 
yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for letting me share. And hopefully uh, I was able to give some insight that uh, help other people in similar situations. Yes, of course. And thank you to everyone listening. Remember to tell your friends about the show if you can or tweet about us using the AOK podcast hashtag. And as always, thank you to Uberkick for the use of their song AOK, to Tanner Grayler for creating our cover art, to Sophie Lalonde for editing and producing this episode, and to our amazing patrons at patreon.com slash AOKpod. I'll be back next week with another guest, but until then, I'm Courtney Lang. And I'm Josh. And, and we, we are, are AOK. AOK.